Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks for being with us on this beautiful Friday morning here in Central Florida. If you could just see how pretty it is today. Uh, If you are here, you are blessed. And if you aren't, you know, come on down. You know, the weather is fine. So, it is the first Friday of the month. We are just hustling through August, and um, kids go back to school next week if they have not already. And we are just, uh, this is also the time we're going to talk a little bit about economics, so we are here to welcome back Paul D. Shelton of Warwickshire Advisors. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. Thank you. So... Let's get started, uh, because I understand that the jobs report is out, and it's, uh, well, it's not as good as some people thought it was going to be, or not as much as some people thought it was going to be, and what does that mean? Well, yeah, the jobs report did uh, release today at 830, um, and it kind of came in in expectation. Um, it didn't, it wasn't a, a number that, you know, blew things out of the water or a number that was not unexpected. So it was literally square on in, um, in the expectation range. We had 187,000 um, jobs that were added to the economy in the month of July. It allowed our unemployment rate to tick down um, uh, from 3.6% last month to 3.5%. So, you know, we do have more individuals employed in the, in the market. And I guess that could be the one catalyst that people may consider um, negative is, we're, you know, we've been at full employment for some time now, and we're still continuing to add jobs to that, which continues to build a case of inflation and froth in the economy and potential inflation going forth in the future. But um, we did have a forecast, um, an analyst forecast of 190,000 jobs that would be added in the month of July. We actually added 187,000. So we were not too far off of, of where, we, uh, where the, the forecast was, only, only a difference of about 3,000 jobs. Additionally, um, you know, we did have some downward revisions for the previous month jobs uh, report of, of about 40,000. So with that, the, the previous month uh, revisions and then the jobs report coming in, in line, under 200,000 jobs added again for, I believe this is the third consecutive month, that bodes well for 
the Federal Reserve to take a pause when it comes to hiking interest rates. And we know if they take a pause with hiking interest rates, um, that could give the economy some more room to settle in on what we've done with this inflation picture, realize that inflation is starting to pull back, and give us a trajectory in which we could potentially lean on for growth in the future of our economy. A couple other things I wanted to point out about the jobs report is our hourly average earnings um, month over month um, stayed exactly the same. It rose by four-tenths of a basis point, um, which it did in the previous month, rose by uh, four-tenths of a, of a, of a basis, basis point. Four-tenths of a basis point are 40 cents on a dollar, I should say. So we're starting to see, you know, not only is our employment rate dropping still steadily, but those that are employed are starting to shift from underemployment to um, maximizing their full potential in that respect. Um, so we're starting to see wages starting to increase. Now, there could be some fear with that as well because um, wage inflation causes prices to go up in that respect. But I think we're more so in the range of equalizing the norm from where we were. Inflation got really, really hot. Wages were nowhere near able to meet the, the, um, the steam that inflation had built up and the cost of common products had built up. So now we're starting to see somewhat of a reprieve and, and a data showing that we're seeing a little bit more in our paychecks, at least over the, the last two months. So part of that could be, you know, annual bonuses or, you know, merit increases that have taken place over the last uh, couple months or during this time of the year. Um, and lastly, regarding the um, – the jobs report, we did see um, the participation rate stay the same. So 62.6% was the, the forecast again for this month, and that was what the actual participation rate was last year, our last month, I should say, and that's what it was in July. So in June and July, the, the participation, participation rate stayed the same, which is good for the growth of the economy overall. So that's saying that we don't have people that are leaving or that are so discouraged that they're not looking for work anymore and leaning on, you know, government subsistence in order um, to survive. So in all in all, in my respect, this, um, it was a, a warm jobs report. It wasn't hot. It wasn't super cold. And it wasn't nothing that really should cause a lot of fear or capitulation in the market. Uh, as I was looking at the futures this morning, there was a large down spike um, in the prices of the S&P 500, then a large spike up in the S&P 500, and then it neutralized, it neutralized at even. And as of now, um, the NASDAQ is up about 50 basis points, and so is the, uh, the S&P 500. is up about 40 basis points now in pre-market trading. So th this information is being dissected and, and perceived very well by the market. So we had someone, uh, somewhat of a Goldilocks-style uh, jobs report. Just Correct. right, I guess. Maybe. Just right, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah. so I, I guess one of my questions is, first, where was the job growth? What sectors um, gained the most jobs? Yeah, so that comes down into the details when you, when you break down a little bit further into the reads of, of the jobs report. And, um, it looks like the most gains occurred were in the healthcare, social assistance, and financial uh, 
um, services sector of the economy. So, again, that's kind of shifting away. There's two consecutive months now that we see a shift away from what we're accustomed to um, or what we have been accustomed to so far in this pandemic recovery of jobs um, from the hospitality industry towards more of the uh, white-collar professional side of the jobs. When you look at healthcare, when you look at those professional financial careers and things of that nature, so that's that's a significant shift, and that's something to be noted as well. Because as you see strength in those industries, um, it gives credence and in, in a, in a more solidified foundation to to where we are. Um, and, and these numbers really do truly speak to, I, I believe they truly speak to where we are in this country. Um, we have a lot of people during the pandemic and, and prior and, and somewhat after that were enticed by, you know, rebranding themselves. And a lot of people went back to nursing school, um, shifted towards the medical industry. And we're starting to see those individuals, you know, finishing up school and, and coming out and, and hitting the workforce, and that's really playing out in the numbers. Um, this weekend, you know, I have a lot of family in from from Cincinnati, Detroit, Texas, Atlanta, uh, for a family reunion. And three of the three of my cousins that are in town now are finishing up nursing school um, this year. So that kind of speaks to. Uh, where, where we see the employment and the labor market shifting towards. And it's kind of, you know, a cause and effect. A lot of things that took place in the pandemic um, created the supply for what we have, um, created the demand for, you know, what's being supplied now to the economy. I was going to ask, though, is there uh, an allowance for, uh, I would say, catching up with, for example, you have this many jobs in the nursing, but it takes longer to acquire the skills to become a nurse versus uh, the skills that may be required to work hospitality in terms of serving a plate, washing a dish, making a bed. You know what I mean? It, It takes longer to fill those positions if you don't have the people that already have the skills, right? Hello? Yes, that's correct. I apologize about that. I accidentally hit the mute button, but I believe that's why we see um, kind of the shift that's taking place with a transition from more of the service-oriented, or I should say frontline service-oriented jobs, such as hospitality, um, restaurant workers, bars, and things of that nature, to um, the professional side um, uh, with the hosp- um, financial services and with the healthcare industry. Um, many of those individuals were in school, and it took some lag time and some education time for them to, to come up to speed. And I, I don't necessarily believe that um, – and the data doesn't show that just because hospitality isn't leading the way that hospitality did not have um, a, a good addition of jobs. There's still growth in the hospitality industry. There's still hotels and resorts that are being established and built every day. But there's it appears to be from the data that individuals are starting to shift away or step away from those jobs or those industries and move more towards healthcare 
in the financial services, um, at least in the recent data. And that could be, you know, as they're uh, afraid of, you know, any potential, you know, volatility in those industries, again, they, they decide to, to move to something else that may have a little more um, stability. I was going to say, because technology changed a lot of those. For example, I know when in retail, for example, you go and especially grocery stores, you go into a store now and you have seven or eight registers that are self-checkout and one person kind of just overseeing and troubleshooting, but you know, there's really like not a need for them unless something really goes haywire. Um, do you think technology has made kind of an impact on those types of of jobs? I mean, for example, even hospitality, you have early check-in with the phone, you have check-out with the phone, you know, I mean, you, you know, Correct. you actually, half the time, um, a couple of places I've gone to recently, you don't really even almost need to insert a key, you know, it's just swipe something, and, and I'm sure that's going to go to a phone at some point if it hasn't already. Yeah, yeah, and it and it has in some degree when you look at Airbnb as as a form of hospitality, and VRBO. So so many of those access points are done um, through a code that you either receive through your phone or a code that you can temporarily use on an app in your phone to to gain access to the um, the rental that you're going to use there. And so I I, I truly believe that um, as we continue. Um, to evolve um, as a society, and this has been the case since the beginning of time, um, technology has always created um, more convenience and has always shifted um, the demand for um, workers. You know, in, in that same respect, um, just this past week, my my six-year-old, he loves cars. He loves, you know, everything about cars. I swear he's probably going to be a mechanic or something one day or a car salesman or whatever the case, but he just loves all things about cars. And, you know, we were talking about how cars are built. So when I was younger, um, when I was, I think I was nine years old, I had an opportunity to tour um, the Honda factory, Honda plant um, in Japan where, you know, they assembled, you know, the cars and you saw everyone on the assembly line, a lot of the machinery and uh, computers and everything that's working. Um, But, at that time, there was still a lot of, you know, footprint uh, from human footprint that was part of the process. Um, I went on YouTube and pulled up some videos of him of our car, you know, manufacturers and factories now, and there's maybe one or two in, in a particular, you know, dealer we were looking at, a factory, there was, you know, one or two um, humans that were actually in there. Um, everything that took place was there was a frame on top of a robot that would drive this frame around to different stations. And once it got to a different station, another, you know, robot or robotic arm would come in and and put the doors on and screw it in and come in and um, put the windshield wipers on and screw it in. Everything was done by machine. The things that used to be done by hand were now done by machine. And there was only just a few supervisory type of employees there just to make sure that the machines we're not going crazy and losing their minds, so more so just the quality control. So as we'll, we'll continue to see um, ebbs and flows in, in technology like that that will always um, be somewhat of that catalyst for the betterment of growth and the betterment uh, of society, but at the same time, um, it will hurt 
you know, those that are not, you know, able to shift their skills and be able to work productively in those, in those arenas. We're going to take a quick break. We are here with Paul V. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore Advisors. It's the day we talk about the economy. And please, you know, if you have questions or comments, unfortunately, we can't take them live today, but please, you know, submit them. Um, and we will, if we don't answer them this show, we will definitely answer them next show. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720, Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us. We are talking economic update with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore, Jr. I mean, Paul V. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore. I'm sorry. I'm so caught up in the fact that it's Friday. I I just can't tell you. But anyway, uh, Paul, what is going on with the gas prices? Okay, they're up, they're down, they're back up. You know, um, I think Saudi Arabia has a little bit to do with it. But seriously, uh, what, what's with the the fluctuation, um, especially seems like so drastic in a short amount of time? Yeah, yeah, that's something that uh, that I, I've, I noticed, too. And, you know, I saw it driving earlier this week. I think um, at the end of last week, I was at Sam's and was able to purchase gas for $3.19, and then a few days later I drove by another gas station, or that same day I drove by another gas station, saw it for three eighty-nine, and it was like, wow, what a significant change. I know it was two different brands, but still the ballpark wasn't even the, the, the same. That's a, a significant rise in prices. Um, there's a couple different well, even, things that are going on. Even with Sam's, though, there was a, a swift shift. I mean, I, I understand you were just yeah. talking about it's like 304, 309, 319, and then 359, you know, which, you know, that's still less than 389, but that's still a big shift. It is. It is. It's significant and it's seismic, and it's, uh, it's something that we typically see during this time of year um, when you have more individuals that are out traveling. Um, for family reunions and out for summer vacations and turning up things before they get back to school. Um, so, so part of that is seasonality that takes place. Um, there's always a concern and there's always a, uh, a lever that OPEC has to, to try to pull to, to control supply um, in the market to try to create more of a, of a pricing situation that's advantageous for the OPEC countries. Um, in the short term, 
it looks like more so just you know our our taxes and and just the spot futures have risen in the short term, um, but not in a significant manner to coincide with what we've seen at the at the uh, at the pumps when we purchase gas. I think that we're we're in an area where more seasonality has continued to, to to drive that, and a little bit more of the demand that we've seen in the shortness of, of the month of July and early parts of August. Um, hopefully, as we move back into um, the, our move towards the, the end of this summer, um, the end of August, going into September, we'll be able to realize um, some more normalcy, or at least or somewhat of a of a receding factor that takes place. Um, in the whole commodity section, um, we know that commodities typically are the precursor for inflation. You know, when we back in June, I believe June of 2021, when we first started dealing with a lot of inflation, it was when gas prices rose initially up to right around that $5 clip. Um, you were seeing as the, the national average on regular unleaded. Then as those gas prices start to come down, we see, you know, we've seen inflation starting to come down. So I think we're, we've gotten to a level where um, inflation is starting to normalize to some degree. Um, and, and the little bumps and, and bruises that we see here in the road in, in the spot futures market, when it comes to crude oil, it's just um, more so speculation that's kind of fluctuating the price and, and really nothing fundamentally wrong that um, should cause concern for for the long-term future. Well, I don't know exactly how much back to school and, and other things will affect um, the economy in terms of the, the – I, I always wonder – I know a lot of people travel away, but, I mean, there's still the big commute when school gets back in. The school buses will be back Correct. on the road. The you know uh, the parents that because of the time change because they're always going back and forth on the time change with when school is supposed to start for our kids you know that causes some problems too now you know with parents saying well no I've got to now take the child to school you know uh, versus um, you know having to wait for the bus because I have to be in a certain time and, you know, I'm worried about the safety and welfare of my child. There's, there's all of that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, I wanted to ask about that, but I also wanted to ask a little bit about the impact of entertainment on the economy and the impact of politics on the economy. And I'm going to start with the political first in terms of, I understand there's now a move for some people to move out of the state because of some of the dictates that have come down from our governor with and our legislators regarding what can and can't be taught in the schools, what can and can't be done in the schools. And so there are some people. I, I do. My husband and I were actually talking the other day about one person that um, left the state we think because of uh, the vaccination policy a few years back, but now there's other things. And so you have that going on. Um, the climate change, I think, might be a little bit of it, too, with it getting a little bit too unbearable, but I think that's happening all over. But how do these factors really come into play? You know, we, we saw a major convention, uh, Alpha by Alpha, 
that was supposed to happen here in Orlando that has decided to go somewhere else because of the African American studies um, conflict here in in the Sunshine State. So, can you talk about that a little bit, please? Yeah, that that's something that is very uh, very personal to me. Um, I, I just I know when I travel, you you know, out of the state of Florida, and you know, people hear that you're from Florida their eyes get bright and then they ask you questions like, what is happening? What is going on with the governor? What is going on with education, this and that? And it's really almost like the Florida is the laughingstock of this country, you know, and and it's really sad because, and disappointing because someone that was um, raised in the, the Florida school system, myself and my wife, it's very disappointing to see where we're going trying to raise four kids in the school system right now. Um, I personally would would want to to be in a different state, honestly. And this is just my personal belief and opinion. There's nothing desirable about being um, a student of the Floridian school system at this point in time. There, there really isn't. And it's embarrassing because when you, you go to different places, um, when you're in Illinois, when you're in New York and different states, and you see the level of education um, that those areas have, it is – you understand how far behind that we are and just when it comes to science and technology. But then when you layer in the, all the political aspects, aspects of it and, and rewriting history, whitewashing history, um, taking black history out of the schools and the understanding of where we came from from a past and where this country originated and came from, that only sets you up to repeat it. And I think that's the, the way that Florida is heading right now, unfortunately. So I, I think a lot of that is, is taking place. There are a lot, you know, not just um, not just the alphas, but there are a lot of other industries um, that patronize, you know, one of the greatest and largest convention centers in this world here in Orlando, but they're deciding maybe it's not good socially for us to participate in any event that takes place in the state of Florida. And let's, let's move on until at least the political climate changes, at least until something is done. So, you know, I, I personally don't fault any parents, and I know my, my opinion is different because I'm raising four kids right now um, that are seventh grade on down to, you know, about to be VPK. But it's a scary time to, to raise kids in, in this state because you have to battle um, the lies that are produced in the school versus the truth that you have to try to, to disseminate at home. And I will personally say that what we're seeing taking place now is, is a huge travesty, and it's going to negatively impact um, society going forward, and I'm already seeing that. Um, two years ago, one of our neighbors, you know, her and my daughter, this little white girl, my daughter's little black girl, she told my daughter that racist our Slavery didn't exist. White people had to chain black people because black people were beating them. Now, this was a conversation taking place between a six-year-old and a five-year-old. My daughter was five. She was six. Why, for one, why is that conversation taking place? She's learning it from someone, learning it from home. So now this is going to be the precedent that's going to be taught and disseminated in our school system across this state. That that will speak value to where where we are going to go. So I'm I I have zero desire, and I and I'm sorry if I uh, 
if my uh, opinion is a, a little, you know, spark on that. But, you know, no, I, I really, I really understand it, and, it, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a significant battle, and it's, it's just not, not right. So, I encourage all parents out there, you know, teach your kids the history. I mean, history is not always um, butterflies and roses. You know, there's some negative right. things that everyone has in their past, and there's nothing wrong with learning those things. That's how you embrace it and grow, and that's how you have unity in your community is by understanding your differences. Well, that is also why we have really got – I was talking to my husband about this the other day, and, you know, sometimes I feel a little out of turn because I don't have children. But still, if I – you know, I look at cousins and stuff and his nieces and nephews and – great nieces and nephews and stuff, and I look, you know, I was like, well, you know, yeah, you do, you don't want them to be hurt, but if they don't know how to deal with adversity when they're younger, they're really not going to know how to deal with it when they're older, and they're going to deal with it in a problematic way, Um, and that's part Mm -hmm. of what we have now. People think that, you know, oh, you know, you offended me, I'm going to take out my weapon, and I'm going to, or, you know, get my fist, and I'm going to hurt you. You know, and, exactly. and don't yeah. know the nuances in terms of how to deal with adversity. But I want to talk to you. I, I'm almost debating on whether or not to take a break, but we're going to take a break. I do have to come back and finish this conversation with you or continue this conversation with you because I have a couple of questions. This is okay. G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast, let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. This is Douglas Dobbs owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. And the numbers, well, don't worry about calling in. But if you have questions, hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page today. Um, because I think we're going to have to have another conversation once. I don't know. Paul, have, based on what you were telling me, have you and your spouse, uh, have had a discussion about possibly moving out of Florida? Hello? Paul, yes, can you hear have. me? Yeah, oh. can you hear me? I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we've had that discussion, and and I think for, for us personally, there's a, many other factors that, that move um, and kind of shape our discussion and conversation that we're having um, one, both of our immediate, our parents are, are here in, in the state of Florida. And for me being, you know, a child in the military, traveling around different places, 
I never got a place to, to live near my aunts, uncles, grandparents, and things of that nature. So personally, I just kind of want that for my kids. My wife desires the same. She wants them to be close to, you know, know her family as well. So that kind of plays a, a role into um, some of our decisioning. But um, outside of that, um, that, that conversation is there. I mean, that Florida is desirable from an economic standpoint. There's no state tax here. But at what cost um, do, you, do you give up to, to have that, that liberty of no state tax? And some of those costs are, are, are greater when it comes to the social aspect of being in the state. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. Um, my parents, um, my father, um, after World War II, uh, decided to stay in California, um, and they were there for almost 18 and a half years, and it was only uh, shortly after I came along that they decided, well, they wanted to move back to Florida because that's where family was, and then like you, you know, wanted me to grow up around you know, family and friends, and, I, and I'm very, very, very grateful for that, as well as just, you know, at one point in time, you could say, oh, the vi- environment's always great here in Florida, you know, um, and, and, you know, climate-wise, it's a good thing, but, yeah, with some of the other stuff, but at the same time, I have to ask you, is a boycott really the answer um, if you say, well, you know, as an organization, as an industry, or whatever the case may be, we're not going into this state because of their current policies and their current uh, governance and, and legislators and stuff like that. Um, because, and the reason I ask that, I, I, now I'm all about a good boycott. I, I, I will. I will boycott in a minute, even if it's a boycott of one. I have a, a couple of those going on right now. Uh, with just me, but at the same time, I'm thinking if you take your if you take your presence away, um, especially in a racist situation, isn't that what they want? Don't they want to eliminate you from the equation? I mean, is, isn't that caving a little bit? Uh, it could be looked at that way. I, I know so with, through the social impact movement, um, there's been a lot of voice behind um, your actual footprint. So, you know, when you when you leave an area, and, um, and everyone has their particular reasons for leaving, but if you look at it on a corporate level, when a lot of corporations are, are leaving a particular area and potentially moving somewhere else, um, they're taking that tax revenue, they're taking those dollars, they're taking that spending with them at the same time. And if that's something um, that the state needs, after a while, you know, the word gets to the politicians, we need a shift, we need a new regime, we need a new thought process. Um, That's essentially what kind of moves um, some of Things that have taken place in the entertainment industry and the sports industry with um, different, you know, owners having to be bought out and getting, you know, you know, golden parachutes in that respect. But it's uh, sometimes you have to speak to it and you, you have to, you know, shift, shift away from it. Um, I don't think it will be at a point where um, that will cause everything to, to truly shift one way or to the other, but, you know, as a parent, do you stay in a, in a particular state um, knowing that 
the, the education system is fraught and there's nothing you can essentially do about it but just force your kids to go through it. So that's that's the other caveat, you know, that's to that as well. Yeah, and I guess it's different when, like, if you came along at a time where there really wasn't a choice and you had to deal with whatever the adverse situation was, whereas, oh, I've got choices now, so, you know, I don't have to deal with, with that. Um it, I, I, you know, so I understand the economics. You know, I mean, they even talked about this. The, the, like I was talking about the Alpha Convention. They were talking about the economic impact of that one convention alone, because it's not just you know how many rooms they get. Um, it's how many dollars they're spending on entertainment and dining um, while they are here. You know, it's a matter of how long they stay in case they decide you know, well, we might want to stay a little longer and not just deal with convention, um, uh, you know, business, but, you know, let's go to the beach or let's go to, you know, watch a launch or, or something of that type of nature. So, yeah, they were talking about the economic impact of that. Yeah, so there, there's a, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a significant, it's a, it's a fun, engaging conversation to have. Um, but, it, you know, time, you know, will tell, you know, how, how it, it will all play out. There's also a discussion. I mean, I know we're coming on to, you know, the Hall of Fame game was last night. We're coming into uh, football season, which is usually, a, a, you know, pretty good thing in terms of getting people out to the sports bars and, and, and going and, and buying uh, things to bring home to cook, you know, or ordering pizza or, you know, bring wings or whatever the case may be. But they, there a, was a discussion recently about the Beyonce and Taylor Swift effect on the economy. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, heard, I've heard of that. And um, I was speaking with my CPA earlier this week who's going, treating herself to the Beyonce concert in Tampa for her birthday. And she she made a, a joke about how she's in uh, playing a, a role in stimulating the economy uh, by attending the concert. So yeah, that 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 range to be true. Um, a lot of spending does take place around there, and and people do come out for for both of those names. You would think we didn't have major superstars before those two. I mean, but I mean. We we do know that when you go to a concert, you know, or some special event, it does have, you know, even if it's going to Dr. Phillips, it does have some sort of economic impact. At least it used to a little bit more so uh, when people used to actually get dressed up and, and go out and dine to, you know, make an evening of it, you know, going to uh, an event like that. You know, people don't necessarily go out and buy a special outfit that much for some of these events, but they will go out and maybe gather and go eat or go have a, a drink or a coffee or something now, you know, because of it. So, anyway, we – well, no, we're not we're not break time yet. I wanted to move on to something else before we go, um, go to our break. Um, I wanted to talk about the – I guess the Airbnb and the – 
Turo economic impact. I sent you some information uh, recently on Turo, and then I know that you mentioned um, Airbnb earlier. Um, good thing, bad thing. Uh, I, I'm sure that people who have started to do this themselves with their own houses and their own cars um, are, are experiencing a little bit, you know, of a extra income, but there's also extra responsibility. But how do you think this is going to impact the traditional, um, I'm going to do an Airbnb versus a hotel, or I'm going to do a Turo car versus an Enterprise or an Avis or something like that? Paul, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Sorry about that. It does have an impact, and they can see that's being seen in the data, and I think some of that has been played out and seen when you look um, today. Um, there was some information released by Airbnb that says that some of their visitations and bookings were down, um, and when you look internationally, there's been some travel that has appeared to be skirted internationally in favor for more do- domestic bookings, but it, it was curious, and you know, to understand why those Airbnbs specific bookings were down, and, and if that traffic is just dissipating, or is it being exchanged for going back to the traditional resorts and hotels and things that, of that nature? Um, but I, I think with that, um, we we saw the the volatility that took place with, I believe it was Hertz. Or, or Avis years back um, in bankruptcy and different things of that nature. And um, Turo is something that's disrupting the market and that's coming, you know, to the forefront and, and allowing um, there to be another opportunity, another avenue for someone to, to, to rent a car and, and be able to have a, a vehicle to use um, in a more convenient manner and standpoint. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm having a family reunion this weekend. I had some relatives come in, and and one of them came in. Their flight got here early, and they, they ended up being, you know, an hour and 20 minutes earlier than their reservation time to pick up their rental car. Um, as a result, they had to wait or either pick up the car an hour earlier and pay for an extra day, a full extra 24-hour day for picking up the car an hour and a half earlier. So they decided to wait as opposed to, to do that. Um, I'm not too familiar with the Turo platform, but, you know, I believe in those situations you don't have to um, – the, the convenience factor may, may play out a little bit better, especially if you're traveling with a family with kids and you want to get moving and not just sit in a car rental lobby for an hour and a half. Right, and, you know, because I know, um, especially earlier this year, they talked about the rental car shortage at, you know, the airport and, and you know, some, some of that that was going on. But um, I, was, I was curious about that, too. Uh, well, there's a whole, that's a whole other issue, but I was curious in terms of when you talked about the decline with the, the Airbnb, I was – my wonder, because that has always been my wonder, I have not done Airbnb yet, in terms of um, hospitality standards, and do the same hospitality standards apply to an Airbnb or versus a hotel? You know, there's certain guidelines in terms of sanitation, how you keep stuff clean, and, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, versus you're booking someone's house. 
you know. I thought I'm correct. I was curious, yeah. I, I know I was wondering if, especially when COVID occurred, if that might have had an impact too. Um, and I know we haven't really talked about that in advance, but that might be something to, to look into as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's anyway. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Um, I want to do a little bit of the uh, back-to-school angle and, and some economics, and I want to ask you a little bit about your career path and what drove you, you know, as you were um, trying to make a decision on your career. So um, we're going to take a quick break. We're here with Paul D. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore Advisors. This is Dee's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the architecture. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on K-Ham Radio. Are you chillin'? Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Hey there, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today, and happy Friday. Hope you are planning a great weekend, and um, just uh, be safe while you're doing it. Uh, here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore, we're talking the economy. And so I wanted to just uh, touch on your experience for a few minutes in terms of, you know, how you decided on your career and you know, classes that you may have taken that may have helped, decisions that you, you know, made that helped or decisions you made that may have uh, you wish you'd have done differently um, and things that you would, you know, tell people as they encourage their kids on their career path. Yeah, so for for me, I um, I was introduced to finance, you know, when I was 14, you know, my, my that's when I first opened my First brokerage account and was able to buy, you know, stocks, um, you know, and that was done by my dad, who, who didn't have a lot of knowledge uh, about the stock market and things of that nature. He had, you know, some knowledge, and um, he had some understanding of economics, you know, which was good and entrepreneurship. Um, but he introduced me to it, and, and ever since then, I, I, you know, developed a love and a passion for it. And, and over time, I, I truly desired to um, – when I was going to college or getting into college, I desired to be more in the um, into sports marketing um, because I saw uh, at the time, you know, my brother-in-law was working in for the NBA, and I saw how exciting and how fun that 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 industry was. So I really had the desire for that, and um, but still always had that passion and for for math, for finance, and knowledge and things of that nature. So I. Went through, through college, did my undergrad. Um, I know this is at your favorite university, the University of Central Florida, and got my uh, my, my marketing degree there. 
uh, Go Knights. I'll throw that in there. And then I transitioned on into to the industry and went right into work, you know, in the finance industry. And uh, really didn't do much with marketing. But those marketing skills and things that I learned um, from marketing um, helps really translate to economics and a lot of things that I, you know, need and use in the economic arena on a, on a daily, you know, basis. Um, I did receive my master's degree in, in finance, so I went back and got some more education and, and some more um, classifications and things that, that kind of honed in on finance. But, you know, for me, um, I like, you know, the stock market. I like numbers. I like math, and I like finance, and I like educating. I like teaching. And so I'm able to put all that together in what I do you know, in my day-to-day as a um, financial advisor and portfolio manager, I'm able to really, really um, tap into each one of those skills and, and to really, uh, you know, excite each one of my drives when it comes to that respect. Um, for, for me, going to school, going to college, um, and, and taking classes in, that, in those realms, um, it was helpful. But I think the, the most important thing that anyone can do is find a mentor. And sometimes um, that mentor, um, it's easier today, I would say, to, to find a mentor. Because oftentimes those mentors are um, YouTube personalities. And they're able to, they're able to, they're able to uh, really give you things that you need and help you um, along the way um, with just some of the soft skills and things that you're not going to pick up in the classroom. So uh, a lot of times finding that mentor is, is good to have and a necessity to have to really be able to, to help you hone in on, on what you really want to do and what you really want to try. And don't, don't be afraid to, to try something that's, that's out of the norm or that's abstract. I know a lot of times, you know, society places norms um, on us and say, well, you know, because you're African-American, because you're black, you shouldn't work in the finance industry, which is something that I was told. Uh, I was told that I couldn't do what I'm doing now, but I had a passion for it. Um, so that's why I'm doing it. So don't, don't be afraid to, to just to try what it is that you're, you're truly passionate about. Um, my oldest son, he had a, a knack for tornadoes. He loved weather, loved watching the weather channel and all those different things. So we took him um, to meet a meteorologist, and I emailed the, the news station. Um, they invited us in. We went in. He was able to meet with the meteorologist and go in and, and um, participate. The whole family was able to participate while they were on air live and seeing everything that they do. And when they went to a commercial break, they brought us behind in front of the camera. We were able to play around and do a map of our area, a map of our city, of, of our street, and see where um, the weather is coming and all those different cool things. And that inspired such, uh, um, such happy, euphoric feeling, you know, for him about an industry that, you know, you, you really don't think about when you're in fifth grade. So that, that will be my biggest takeaway is uh, whatever you have an interest in, reach out to a company and find a mentor. Just ask around who, who could be the mentor. If you can't find anyone locally in your area, um, go on YouTube, and I'm sure there's many individuals on there that have done what you want to do or something similar, and you can take from their experiences and, and actually reach out to them. Earl, you were, you were talking, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, 
some of the costs. You you know, talk about your kids and their age, age ranges and right now. Uh, if you don't mind sharing a little bit, what's the expense? Not We're not even talking about college. We're just talking about <laughs> just, you know, elementary school, you know, uh, middle school, uh, you know, preparing for high school. What What is it that you're facing right now economically? Uh, a lot. <laughs> it, is, it is a lot. I mean, every time I go to uh, to buy groceries, you know, I, I just add on days and years to my life of work that I will have to do <laughs> complete oh in order God. to break even. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we have a family of four, three boys, one girl, and um, you know, they they're a, a a group that likes to eat and they they eat a lot, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that, um, but it gets expensive. It's just just for in the grocery aspect alone, it, it gets expensive, and that's outside of wanting to add on um, gymnastics or wanting to add on you know other sports, basketball, football, piano, and different things of that nature. There's a lot of of expenses and nuances that you you really have to consider. And, and now that we're in that back to school phase, um, each one of them has a a laundry list of different specific items that they need. For uh, before returning to the classroom next week, and I, I would say the the one thing about I guess technology that has proved to be um, somewhat of a of a positive catalyst is um, as we're shifting towards you know being more technologically savvy, um, our, our kids are using uh, tablets and and um, laptops more than textbooks. And we got notification that, you know, some of the exams that they're going to be taking, at least my seventh grader, is going to be submitting those exams, you know, via laptop at school. So it's driving that responsibility that you have to bring your laptop with you. You have to charge it up at night and have it available so that you can um, take this test at, at school and be able to uh, to submit it. So there's... Uh, there are some things that are that are changing in that respect, but it's um, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a different different day and time that we live in, and it's quite expensive. I would say that, not to say the least. And then I guess I have a question too about. Okay, you have an eighth grader right now, so that's I was going to say four years, but if they start in those. Um, you know, those advanced placement classes or whatever they're calling them now where you can start college early or whatever, you, he's going to start pretty soon. Um, what, how are you preparing for that? Um, I, I don't even know. I haven't even looked at that yet. I haven't even gotten down that, that, that round yet to even see what that looks like. And so, you know, that's something oh, that still on, is – you're the financial planner. You're supposed to have yeah. the lead on this. Come on. I know I should. Yeah, that's that's so far down the the spectrum for us for you know advanced placement classes and you know those are some of those things I guess we'll just kind of you know once we we're at the bat or at the plate you know we'll see what pitch is coming our way and and kind of play it in that respect. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
So any um, as the kids go back to school right now, uh, do you have any particular specific advice for parents out there or for loved ones that want to, to help um, with the students going back? Well, you know, I always, you know, educational planning is, is never done too early, but it can be done too late. Um, so I always encourage that you start, you know, thinking about the long term, you know, or the intermediate term future when you're getting into college with doing the, uh, you know, like educational savings plans, employing Roth IRAs, those are good to help you save and grow your money and be able to invest in, in, the, in the plan for college. So this is now is always a good time. Um, to look at that and to, to try to employ some of those uh, some of those plans to help out uh, with mitigating those risks in the future. How do people reach you, Paul? You can reach me at warwickshore.com. That's W-A-R-W-I-C-K-S-H-O-R-E.com. And on all short, um, social media platforms at Warwick Shore Advisors. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out today. Really appreciate it. Um, talk next month, and uh, best wishes to you and your family as everybody heads back into uh, the school year. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, and you have a great weekend. You too. That's right. Take care. Right. Be well. Be well. Weekend. It, it, I, <laughs> I, I try to embrace one when I, every now and then when I can, but it's usually kind of busy for me, but I, I enjoy them. Thank you all for listening. Uh, enjoy. If, if this is the last weekend before school, you know, really enjoy that time. Please be safe. Take lots of pictures. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.